Welcome back to another episode of the Rare Disorder Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Annie Watson, who is the host of Ours for Rare Podcast and also a narcolepsy patient. Annie, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Just to get started, and so my listeners can get to know you a bit, could you just share a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Annie. I want to thank Shivani for having me on. I'm very excited. Um, So I am also going to be a senior in high school this year, which is crazy. Um, I live just outside of of Chicago. Uh, I just say I'm from Chicago because nobody knows the suburb I live in, but I live (laughs) in Chicago-ish. Um, and I was diagnosed with type one narcolepsy. So narcolepsy with cataplexy when I was just after my sixth birthday, actually like Palm Sunday of 2010, um, after about 18 to 20 months of, um, of symptoms. So, yeah. Yeah. So could you just like talk about like briefly what this type of narcolepsy is and just give like a brief overview of what it is? So narcolepsy itself um, is a rare sleep disorder where um, my brain lacks a neurotransmitter called hypocretin, um, which um, sends signals in your brain and actually in your gut as well. Most of it's in your gut, Um, but it sends signals telling your body in a normal non-narcoleptic to stay awake in the morning when usually stay awake and go to bed at night when you usually go to bed but I don't I lack that neurotransmitter so Mm -hmm. I can't without medication and treatment I can't regulate my sleep and wake cycles and I also fall into deep rapid eye movement or REM sleep like within seconds Mm -hmm. um which is crazy but um with cataplexy it's it's mainly just a symptom of narcolepsy if you have cataplexy you have narcolepsy Mm -hmm. and it's a sudden loss of muscle tone and it depends per patient. Um, some people have full body like tremors, but for me, it's all in my face and my neck and my jaw. So as, as my mom puts it, um, and it's usually triggered by emotion. So me, it's laughter, um, excessive laughter, usually at night when my meds have worn off. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom says, I look like I'm drunk when I laugh, which is like the only way to put it. I bop my head up and down, my tongue sticks out. I, like, usually I can't keep my eyes open, too, because I'm just tired. Like, mm-hmm. I have once banged my head on the granite. I'm oh fine. I'm not kidding. I didn't get a concussion, surprisingly, but um, that may happen, so just be warned. But <laughs> usually that happens when my meds have worn off. Mm-hmm. So I take medicine for that as well. All right. Thank you for sharing that. And then, so could you just kind of go into talking about an average day in your life with narcolepsy, like, where it comes in, what what things it makes difficult, stuff like that. So um, I'm assuming you're just saying an average school day because a mm-hmm. summer day with narcolepsy, like I love summer with the fact that I don't have to do stuff for school, mm-hmm. um, but that's in like having time to hang out with friends, but mm-hmm. the, I thrive off of routine. So a summer, I can't even like give you an average summer day, which I'm assuming you're not asking about that. Um, but um, for an average school day, I wake up pretty early because I take a while to get ready for the day. Um, I always take my medicine. I take it in the morning. Um, I take the same two treatments together in the morning and in the afternoon because um, they wear off after about six hours. I can probably stretch it to seven depending on how I'm feeling, but um, it lasts about six hours, so I take it twice a day. Um, I have to take it before I drive. So, cause I, 
with my narcolepsy is stat like under is at bay enough where I can drive Mm -hmm. um so I take it about like 15 to anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes before I drive Mm -hmm. um I get ready for the day I drive to school um I have I have the way my schedules have worked for all four years now is I make sure my counselors can put my hardest classes in the morning because I'm more awake then mm-hmm. than in the afternoon. And that's generic for everybody, but mentally, like my brain is just, even when I do remedicate after lunch in the afternoon, um, my brain can't nearly pick up the momentum that I have in the morning, mm-hmm. learning wise and just in general. Um, and usually um, I'll have a study hall um, either before lunch or near the end of the day so that I can have the option of taking a nap. Um, the nurse is very, very considerate and she has like cots in there anyways. So mm-hmm. um, depending on how bad my narcolepsy is, I'll take a nap and then I'll usually come home, probably stop at Dunkin' because I thrive off of caffeine. Same. Do home, yeah, I, I can't, like I can't not with caffeine. I literally need it to survive. <laughs> it's so bad, it's so bad. Um, I'll probably have a cup of coffee in the afternoon, um, do homework, play with my dog, eat dinner, um, and then go to bed. Um, I usually fall asleep pretty fast, um, like I said before. So mm-hmm. I, people, I usually don't stay up that late. Um, I usually compare, I have a decent sleep schedule compared to my friends. So I'm usually out on a school night around 10 o'clock. Wow, that's really early for me at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. It's really great to hear that, like, your school has all these, like, accommodations and they're really considerate about taking into account, like, your needs and stuff like that. Um, so it's really great to hear that. Um, all right. So I was wondering if there's, like, anything you feel that other people should know about narcolepsy. Um, this can be, like, common misconceptions people have. Um, just, like, anything you feel people should know about it. Okay. So, um... The only things I have seen, I'm going to preface this by saying, I've seen two instances in the world of media, both in TV shows, mentioning narcolepsy from Victorious and from The Office. And I'm just going to say, yes, narcolepsy means I can't help but fall asleep. But at least for me, I have never fallen asleep standing up. Um, And I feel like that's usually that's that's what those two shows have in common mm-hmm. when they mention narcolepsy is the character in question falls like has their eyes closed standing up mm-hmm. i physically have never been able to do that that's also super dangerous too um especially with cataplectics like myself um so that's number one we usually don't fall asleep standing up we can fall asleep pretty quickly um that's number one number two it is so hard to purposely take naps. Like, again, I can fall asleep pretty easily unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's in the car, like, on a road trip, and I just my eyes just close and I fall asleep. Or I'm trying to watch TV. I was watching New Girl last night, and I fell asleep in the middle of an episode, not even trying. But when I sit down in my bed and close the blinds and, like, try to get... 20 minute power nap I mm-hmm. it takes so much longer for me to fall asleep um that's at least for me I think that's pretty common in the narcolepsy community um and also a lot more people it's still a rare disease but a lot more people have it than you think mm-hmm. um or may have it um I know that um the symptoms are pretty there's the symptoms are pretty narrowed down to the point where um 
like it's not there's not too much mystery around it there's not a cure and there's treatments that can be expensive but it's more it's one of the more common rare diseases which i don't Mm -hmm. think people realize i honestly don't realize it either but it is one of the more common rare diseases so to say Mm -hmm. so um what are like some ways you are coping with it like through family support systems the rare disease community just like how are some ways you're coping with it um so thankfully a couple of my closest friends have i've known since around middle school um, so they've known my situation for about like five or six years now. Mm-hmm. I've been able to explain it to the friends I've made in high school. Um, it's just been, it's harder because I assume that they know and they don't. Um, so honestly, just educating my friends. And if I have like an after party for a school dance, notifying the parents as well, um, because that affects logistics and stuff like that. Um, and also just that's, I realized is so important um and just always making sure that I'm telling my parents what's actually going on um it's really easy especially as a teenage girl to hide how I'm really feeling Mm -hmm. um and that's also just who I am like I'm very vocal about my emotions um I'm very bad at hiding them and I realized that a way that a good way I cope with it is letting myself cry when I realize my narcolepsy isn't good or needing that third or fourth cup of coffee because I cannot like stay awake to do homework and honestly caffeine is my savior in the afternoons and I can't take another dose um and also just a routine I keep a bullet journal Mm -hmm. so I can kind of create my own planner but also write down habits that I need to make sure I'm keeping track of um whether that's exercise water because I get really bad migraines if I don't um, hydrate myself and also just making sure that um, I medicate after a certain amount of time even if it feels like I don't need it um, mm-hmm. because I might 15 minutes later I might pass out um, and need it <laughs> um, and especially with driving um, it's driving is dangerous no matter what your situation is um, but I have that extra risk and I'm always I'm a careful driver too um, but I'm always medicating before I go behind the wheel of the car because mm-hmm. and that also provides some routine to my day as well mm-hmm. yeah um I really think it's important um like you said to keep that open communication with like friends and family obviously if you're comfortable about um what you're going through so they can like provide that extra support if you ever need it or anything like that um and then also like as you said letting your emo- letting yourself express your emotions because I know that for a lot of patients in the rare disease community, that's like a really um, important coping skill and something that's been really helpful. Um, I personally um, am not a rare disease patient, but like whenever I'm like overwhelmed or anything like that, I know that I always journal. Um, It's like a really freeing way to like dump out my thoughts on paper, um, put everything that's going through my head like down and yeah. Also, another way I found to cope is music. I mm-hmm. am on Spotify every single day, and yes, I am Team Spotify. Um, but I'm on Spotify every like every day. I'm probably on it five or six times a day. Um, I even though I have I'm I, I can be a crier. I am not one to listen to sad music unless I'm like really coping through something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just I go through either um, I'm reminiscing on a time 
when I was really happy or not saying I'm not happy now, but like when I'm stressed out, I'm like, I need to think of a time when I did not want this to end or with just a spring, like this past spring break with friends or just wanting to come back to summer, even though it's like end of August, mm-hmm. um, I'll just put on a playlist or even like, or even just podcasts, like just to free my mind and just to learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause any, any way for somebody else to express emotion for me and for me to be like, that is what I'm feeling. I just could not put it into words that it, it, it relieves my stress so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really believe that like music is really like an endless world of possibilities. Cause like there's always more to discover and explore and like, I've really gotten into music too, like just like finding new artists, finding new genres, finding new songs. Um, yeah, and about podcasts too, I've recently been like really into listening to podcasts. Um, I've been exploring like recommendations I get from my friends, from like influencers, stuff like that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I always make sure I have a podcast that um, that I'm subscribed to that fits like different areas of my life. Mm-hmm. So I have one where it's my news wrapped up. I have my, my ESPN daily for my sports nerd inside me. I have the plethora of the disease podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my faith podcasts. I have my, my 10 minute habit changing. Like I, I want to make sure I am all the, my subscription list on Apple podcasts. They fit one of the buckets of my life where I just need, I need somebody to talk to me, but not, like, to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, like, sometimes I listen to these podcasts where they give, like, advice and stuff, so it's, like, really helpful to, like, know that, like, people understand what I'm feeling and stuff like that. Um, I feel like that can be, like, really helpful for, like, um, rare disease patients or just anyone in general when they want, like, when they feel alone or just, like, want some, like, extra support. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, all right, so have you ever encountered a major struggle or obstacle with narcolepsy and how are you able to overcome it? Or like what are some steps you took to get past this? Um, I mean I can't think of one like defining major struggle. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole bunch of tiny ones. Um, friendships for sure. Um, because of the way my cataplexy affects me, um, I get when I meet new people I want to make sure that they understand my situation right away Mm -hmm. so I know sooner rather than later if they're going to be embarrassed to be friends with me because I look weird when I laugh um and also just that's another not so so much burden but that's not necessary info for them as well Mm -hmm. um so I've been I kind of have like a filter in my brain where I'm like I can kind of tell whether or not they a person might be a good fit for a friendship so far it has worked um but um it's mainly just from um past experiences of friendships not working out and stupid falling outs like I kind of just learned that I need like it's good to be picky when making friends Mm -hmm. um and always fall back on the ones that you've known for forever Mm -hmm. um because they're still there for at least for me I've had really good luck with i one of my like my actual day one I've known her since I was three mm-hmm. and she doesn't remember but she knew me pre-narcolepsy and she knows me now as a narcoleptic and I she goes to high school with me she's been in grade school with me this whole time like 
having those like people who knew you when you were in your awkward middle school phase, those people actually like, they know you probably the best. Mm -hmm. Um, so just knowing picking friends is not like picking friends, like being picky about making friends, um, is definitely one thing. And also recently with college apps, you and I are going through college app process. Um, one of the things I've had to deal with, and I know it's by federal law that institutions need to have disability accommodations, Mm -hmm. but the in-depth research of disability accommodations, is it just something that I'm able to search and they have there, but they're not following through on it? And Mm -hmm. also there was one night where I just broke down crying because I realized it's not a bad thing to be disabled. It's not, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful community. And one of the most disabled community, the rare disease community, they're the most supportive areas of like groups of people I've ever encountered and mainly through social media, but beautiful groups of people. But realizing that on paper, I had to kind of, I don't know, it's so dumb when I say it on on a podcast, but like realizing that my life is just like college life is going to be different Mm -hmm. because I am disabled. um, And because I do have narcolepsy, it's like, I knew it all along and I knew growing up, um, but it hit me. I was like this, like, I don't know anybody else who is my age and has narcolepsy. All of my Mm -hmm. narcolepsy friends are older and in college. Um, or like Lindsay Kaiser, she's an adult. Um, but it's it's hard. It's hard facing that fact. There's no steps that I, I honestly, I don't know if I'll ever overcome the fact that my life path has to be different because I'm disabled. Um, I mean, technically by the definition, I am disabled and a rare disease patient, but like it, it's just a hard truth. Mm-hmm. I, I foresee several bouts of crying in my future because it's not a hard it's not an easy thing to accept um Mm -hmm. and just coping with that grief because grief is not just I learned this a couple months ago that grief is grief is not just death even Mm -hmm. though I have gone through that and honestly still do from time to time um from the same events in my past Uh but like um because I was diagnosed and then my grandparents passed away within a few months of each other of like a year or so after I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to explain to a six, seven, eight year old. Um, and I, and I realized I never really like coped with like the grief of a diagnosis and what mm-hmm. I would lose. I still have so much to gain. I'm not saying my life sucks, but like, it's great, but I wouldn't be here without my narcolepsy. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> um, there are aspects of it that can suck because I can't stay, I can't stay out as late as my friend because I need to be awake to drive home, mm-hmm. um, which everybody needs to be awake to drive, but my story is different mm-hmm. or, and just explaining that to people like 17 year olds, like that's, that's hard. Um, and just realizing that some aspects like typical aspects of college life, I'll never be able to experience, mm-hmm. which is fine. I like, I have massive FOMO, the only reason holding me back, but that just a lot of like theoretical big picture aspects Mm -hmm. is there's no one major struggle, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of coping and a lot of sitting down with myself being, Hey, you're going to have to be okay with yourself for the rest of your life because this is the only body you get. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it's it's I, I still can do a bunch of things that normal people can do mm-hmm. which is awesome yeah, I feel like kind of accepting that. And then also, I feel like all these experiences and, like, struggles, we we call them, that we go through really make us, like, a stronger person overall. So, like, next time, um, we, like, know what to expect and how we're going to get through, us, through it, how we're going to fight through the tough time. Um, so, I really think, like, those experiences really build upon each other and just um, maybe, like, help us find new coping methods um, and just become a stronger person. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. All right. So um, I know that World Narcolepsy Day is coming up in just under a month, I think. And that's like super exciting, especially for you since you're a narcolepsy patient. Um, so I was just wondering, like, do you have any plans for this day? Um, are you going to spread awareness? Like what um, do you plan for this day? Um, if it was on a weekend, which it's not, I probably would be on Instagram all day, but it is on a Wednesday. I think it's on, I think so. It's Mm -hmm. on September 22nd of every year. Um, Mm -hmm. Project Sleep, which is one of the great um, sleep disorder foundations that are out there. um, They um, have a web, they have a link every single year to purchase World Narcolepsy Day shirts. So I have mine, I'm not wearing it, but I have mine from 2019. It has a little hot air balloon on it. And I purchased my, um, I think I got a sweatshirt and the basic t-shirt. So that's just one way I'm spreading awareness. Um, Honestly, probably just posting about it and Mm -hmm. gonna find ways to, I'm editor in chief of my school newspaper. So I'm gonna find ways to write an article about it and Mm -hmm. feature it on the internet. Um, honestly, just talking about it with teachers, um, talking about it with friends, trying to post awareness stuff on Instagram as much as possible, both Mm -hmm. on like my private account, um, and also on my, um, on my rare disease Instagram, um, and just telling people what, what it is, what life is like, um, and how they can support it because support it's easy to be a supporter of narcolepsy when you have it or when you're like my parents and your daughter has narcolepsy, it's easier to support because Mm -hmm. you understand and you've vicariously lived through it or you have it like I do, but it's hard. It's harder to persuade non-disabled, non-chronically ill, non-rare disease patients, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them. Um, it's harder and you got, you got to push them more. Um, Mm -hmm. and I still can't wrap my head around all the medical jargon and there's a bunch of studies out there, but just educating people on the fact that there are studies and that these are the symptoms and a person may learn that and be like, Hey, I probably have this condition. Mm -hmm. Um, and just educating what needs to be done healthcare wise. Cause I've been on the bad side of the insurance in my past. Um, Mm -hmm. and spreading awareness for new medications. There's a medication that has an ad on TV. Um, that was recently approved by the FDA, which is awesome. It's not advertised for narcolepsy on, on the TV ad, but it does help with narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. And honestly, just I'll probably end up posting so much on Instagram that people get tired of it, but I don't mm-hmm. care because World Narcolepsy Day is like, my two favorite days as a rare disease patient are Rare Disease Day and World Narcolepsy Day because that's, it's, it's my life and it's it speaks to my soul and i want people to know about it even if who i don't even care if the same people see it every time mm-hmm. if you if somebody passes it along 
or sees or, or notices that it comes up on your phone and you're like hey what is this even just that one person like I just that makes it all worth it mm-hmm. so I'll probably again sadly it is a weekday so I can't be on Instagram the entire day <laughs> but because I have school but I'll probably just be talking to teachers about it find a way to put it through my newspaper um and just educate people on Instagram like that night Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever I do have free time to be on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, I'll probably be hosting a bunch. Um, but yeah, and just promoting the beautiful world of the narcolepsy community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with like everything you said, especially about like educating people, even though that may seem like something really small. I feel like it's the first step a lot of advocates take in the rare disease space, just like informing whoever it is, their teacher, a friend, um, a distance family member about their rare condition I feel like that really goes a long way and really has a really large impact because now one more person knows about the condition so um yeah I just think education is something that's greatly needed and we have like a long way to go in the rare disease community with education oh for sure for sure but there's still so much work that's being done Mm -hmm. which is awesome yeah Um, especially with like podcasts like ours and then also like different organizations and blogs. Um, I know that a lot more people are becoming aware and um, not to say like narcolepsy is a common rare condition, but I know like a lot of my friends know what narcolepsy is, whereas like probably in the past, not many people knew about it. So I feel like that education and research is really going through through the general population. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, all right. So I know you have your own podcast. So could you talk about what your podcast is, why you started it, and just like give a brief overview of your journey as a podcaster um, and just like some of your favorite experiences while having the podcast? So my podcast is called R is for Rare. Um, So I interview patients um, and um, people who are affected by rare diseases and disabilities. Um, I myself have a rare disease and am in the disabled community. Um, I have a family member who has a very, very rare condition. Mm -hmm. um, And I, I just... I started it in January, just after my birthday, actually. Um, I started it um, mid, mid-January mid of 2021 um, with the intent of just telling stories. Um, I, I love talking, in case you can't tell. I love talking, and um, I've gone through 11, almost 12 years now of explaining to teachers, administrators, counselors, even just people who ask about it about my condition I've told my elevator pitch probably about 10,000 times like it's I have I have a down path um and I but I haven't told my full story nearly that many times probably it's maybe double digits um Mm -hmm. like not very many people know the struggles of a diagnosis of my diagnosis they know the basics because that's what they need to know um and I've loved podcasts for I've listened to podcasts probably for the past like three years now I just I love it I love listening to them Mm -hmm. it's it's a great way um to educate and just to learn and have it on it's Mm -hmm. awesome I love it and I realized how easy it is to make a podcast I was like how have I not been been doing this before it's genius 
and I was like, what if I just share my story and have people share theirs? Because people love to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's not selfish in any way. They love to talk about themselves. And these conditions and disabilities are rare and very, in the grand scheme of 7 billion people on this earth, very few people witness it, even though there are thousands of rare diseases and mm-hmm. millions of people who are affected by them. So I was like, why not? Why not? Um, so I started in January and have been doing weekly episodes since then. I do a couple bonus episodes. Um, so I did one on rare, a bonus episode on rare disease day. There was an instance on Jeopardy where the joke was about a chronic illness and it was a derogatory. So I addressed that, um, because a lot of my rare disease friends have that condition. Um, mm-hmm. but probably a couple of my favorite experiences have been, I interviewed a pediatric sleep specialist um who's from my area and um learning about um he taught me what caffeine does to the body because that interested him in sleep medicine um Mm -hmm. when he was studying to become a doctor and just he's just such a wise person and I still have so much to learn from him and the fact that he doesn't have it but he diagnoses kids with these things and he Mm -hmm. helps kids who are diagnosed it's it's impressive that he does this every day um so him and also my friend Isla Askew, um, she has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I, my perspective has changed ever since I met her. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, her, she, I didn't know what Medicaid was. I didn't know what Social Security Disability was. And she taught me all about it. Um, and just how dire the conditions are for, like, the, how dire the conditions have to be to acquire that supplemental insurance Mm -hmm. and the fact that she finally has a wheelchair now um because her ads she was in uh forearm crutches for the longest time it was her it was her fourth attempt and she finally got her wheelchair um and just how how real and more real i'm not saying the other stories weren't real and realistic Mm -hmm. but hers is definitely a stereotypical American with a rare condition because not all rare disease patients, not all disabled people are blessed with money and income and Mm -hmm. health insurance that can cover everything. Um, So I, I've been moved like to this day about her aspects of life with a rare condition because she was in the circus for the longest time to and that because she had her condition Mm -hmm. um and just how that culture affected it and um she didn't have the same family environment as I did so learning about what most likely is a stereotypical not not super wealthy disabled rare disease patient life looks like I've been humbled ever since. Like, mm-hmm. I am so happy to have met her. I stay in contact with her. It's knowing, being a part of her journey, um, because she got to share her story on my podcast. Like, I I was almost in tears when I met her before we recorded. I was like, I cannot believe she's entrusting me with all of this because mm-hmm. it's a beautiful story and she's a beautiful human being. But there are, I mean, beauty is pain and there's a lot of downsides that she's been through that was on the episode that wasn't on the episode um and 
I'm just honored to have shared her story. Um, highly recommend go to listen to it when you're done with this episode. But um, and if you do, Shivani, if you ever have the chance, meet Isla. She's awesome. I mm-hmm. I love her so much. She's great. Um, and she's she's a sense of humor through it all. And I she's honestly my role model. I it, I can't put it into words. It's it's insane the lasting effect that that interview had on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like um, through doing, like, these podcasts, like, something really interesting we're both encountering is, like, different perspectives and learning about different journeys because everyone has a different situation, um, and it's just really interesting to learn about, like, different um, rare diseases and then also, like, people's journeys. Um, like, for example, a specific, like, scenario comes to mind for me. Um, so I interviewed, like, two people with the same condition, but they had, like, two separately different journeys, like, a different diagnosis process, um, different struggles, and then some, some like, levels of more severity versus others. Um, I just feel like it's really interesting to see these, like, different perspectives and hear about these different journeys through podcasting. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've also been through the same thing. I've actually had two, two, two pairs of people who have the same condition, um, and, like, I've had two Ehlers-Danlos patients, I've had two close syndrome patients, drastically different diagnosis stories, um, and how they affect them, and mm-hmm. the severity, like you said, um, but also just how similar, like, the uncertainty of living with these things are, mm-hmm. um, but also just how normal their life can be, mm-hmm. even if their body isn't quote-unquote normal or Mm -hmm. quote-unquote healthy yeah and especially with like all the support that comes from the rare disease community on instagram um i have found it like really supportive and stuff because um like for example like one of the patients i interviewed like her first step in the rare disease space was like being on my podcast and a couple months later she's like written all these blogs been on like other podcasts So it's just really amazing to see, like, all the support she's getting from her friends along the way, and then also, like, the steps she's taking in her advocacy journey and beyond. Of course, of Mm -hmm. course. I, I, there's, and I feel like I've been on the receiving end of that as well. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the connections between the rare disease community is insane, and somebody will connect you to some, somebody knows somebody else, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's, it's crazy how many different people especially through organizations like Our Odyssey and Mm -hmm. Narcolepsy Network, which I'm a part of, um, how connected we all are, um, even though we might not know it at first. It's it's insane. It's kind of funny when you think about it, but it's it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, and it's like, it feels like, like, everyone knows, like, everyone. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a podcast with them, and then they're like, oh, I know them. It's just, like, crazy, like, how everyone, like, has connections through these different organizations and like these organizations like these like big ones like all stripes our odyssey stuff like that i know a lot of them are partners so that's where a lot of like the connection comes from through patients and stuff like that so yes yes Mm -hmm. they're all they're all on the same team Mm -hmm. even though they might have different goals like all stripes does research our odyssey doesn't they're Mm -hmm. they're in the same boat they're all in the same boat yeah and i feel like um all of their like missions coming together like makes a really strong rare disease community like there's like ones in research there's ones like who do meetups 
um, advocacy, stuff like that. So I feel like just all of it coming together works really well in the community. Yeah, of course. And there's um, an account I've followed recently. I came across them on my Explore page, Mm -hmm. which my Rare Disease Explore page is my favorite place on Instagram now because I don't (laughs) leave it being, like, self-conscious about myself. I I learn something. Like, I learn something about... Like whether it's ableism or about another condition, like I learned something from my explore page, which I know mm-hmm. shocking, but like there was um, there was an account I re- fo- re- recently followed, um, and it's an advocacy summit account, and they have taken advantage of um, using figures in media that have disabilities um, and rare diseases. Um, as a way to make it easy to connect um, people who don't have these things and having, mm-hmm. like, understand it. Like, Selma Blair, who's legally blonde, she's an actress who has multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. MS, which is technically a rare disease. Um, and another actress, Christina Applegate, was recently diagnosed with it. Um, and they're, um, when they make their posts, they're using the fact that figures those famous figures have rare conditions to their advantage, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what more people should be doing because a lot of people um, who have seen the spotlight, whether it's acting or the Olympics, Paralympics, they have more going on than we know. Mm-hmm. And when they share their stories and we know more about it, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I love that they do that. Yeah, and like um, what you were saying about like the Explore page, I feel like it's always such like a positive, uplifting, and supportive atmosphere. Like, there's no negative energy, like, anywhere in the rare disease community, and I just find that, like, really um, helpful to, like, both patients and then also those who are, like, coming in to learn about these rare conditions. Um, I learn something and feel good about myself all at once. (laughs) Yeah, and what you were saying about, um, like, films and stuff like that with the rare disease patients... um, I know, like, sometimes there can be, like, this stigma because, um, as you were saying earlier about narcolepsy, um, in these movies and stuff like that, they can show, like, these rare conditions as, like, um, something that's, like, they'll, like, over-exaggerate it or something like that or, like, make it seem like something that it totally isn't is. Um, we could, like, have this conversation in a totally another podcast, but, um, (laughs) yeah, so I feel like that's, like, um something I get from a lot of my patients like in these in these like tv shows and films they like over exaggerate like my condition um they make it seem like something it isn't it really isn't stuff like that yeah and I've I learned from um Alexa Wallen on Mm -hmm. Instagram when I interviewed her because she has cystic fibrosis I was like how do you feel about media representation because I've been a lot more aware about like ableism and Mm -hmm. like actor representation of conditions so I asked her because CF is one of the more Mm well-known and more well-represented media conditions and she was like actually five feet apart is probably the best representation Mm -hmm. except the fact that like every CF movie relates to death and she's like I have lived a happy life I am married I am thriving here in Canada like I am not on the brisk of dying like I have had a lung transplant yeah CF can suck but we're not constantly on the verge uh-huh. of death all the time. Like, like, depending on the patient, like, we don't all die right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's, 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 I feel like a lot of these conditions, it's like, oh my gosh, death. And like, uh-huh. yeah, we all die at one point, but it's not like, 
it doesn't happen to like like there are older people like I know one of the heads of narcolepsy network there um we their annual conference who I met um back in 2018 she has narcolepsy and she she and her mom her mom's in like her 80s or 90s she has narcolepsy and she's doing Mm -hmm. fine yeah and it's like the and what Alexa was trying to get to me was that the the fact that they got the condition and they have for the most part the, the social aspect and like they can't be social because of their condition they got that right but the like imminent death was not it's not mm-hmm. always the case so. yeah yeah and like media representation can sometimes like slant things and stuff like that so for sure i definitely see that like with these conditions and stuff oh for sure um all right, so I was wondering if you could talk about, like, your first encounter with the rare disease space um, and, like, just, like, your first advocacy experience. Um, so how you found out about the community and, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I didn't know that the narcolepsy community existed until I was a freshman in high school. So mm-hmm. I was, what, 14? So eight years after my diagnosis, I finally met someone with my condition. Um, I'm still friends with a lot of those people today. Um, I went to the Narcolepsy Network annual conference in Indianapolis um, in 2018, and I became a youth ambassador that year. Mm -hmm. And I did their workshop, their virtual workshop last year. So I've been a YA twice now. Um, So that was really my first experience with advocacy um, was just learning how to present to people who don't have it um in larger settings like educational settings doctoral settings stuff like that what your condition is mm-hmm. um and just learning how to explain it at a basic level when like all we know is the medical level and the uh-huh. basic level but it's hard to explain because we live it mm-hmm. um so that was awesome that was a really fun two days um it was like a lot of training and just doing going to different uh sessions i went to a there was one for the generic conference about guard or guide dogs because as um there's certain qualifications you have to meet to be to get a guide dog and it just so happens that narcolepsy is technically one of them because mm-hmm. it is a disability that hampers your daily life so i could technically get a guide dog it is very expensive but i learned i met someone who has who has one and went through their process and it was really cool um but rare disease community in general was probably meeting Anna Laurent. Um, I met her in December of 2020 mm-hmm. when I was trying to get an interview with her, and she's an absolute she's an absolute queen. I love her so much. She's doing amazing work at Our Odyssey, mm-hmm. um, and I met a bunch of people through her as well um, that I've interviewed on podcast. Um, she's kind of like the connecting point between almost everybody. <laughs> like we said before, everybody knows somebody. Um, but. She has allergial syndrome, and I think she's the first person I met who doesn't have the same condition as me. Because, yes, narcolepsy is the rare disease community, but, like, I only knew the narcolepsy community for three years. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was awesome, or, like, two and a half years. It was awesome meeting both my narcolepsy friends and um, and Anna as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I have yet to do rare disease week. I had a conflict this year, so I couldn't do it. But hopefully I get to do it next year. Um, I don't know what it'll be like with school, but hopefully I get to do it at some point so I can do actual on-the-ground footwork with advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because I actually um, talked to Anna yesterday like about her story and stuff. 
Um, but yeah, she's like, she knows like a lot of people in the rare disease community and her work with our Odyssey is definitely like impacting so many people's lives because, um, through the meetups and stuff they offer, it's like really kind of like a safe space in the community, I could say, um, to just openly talk about like what you're going through or just anything you want to talk about. And I know she has like a lot of speakers and stuff coming in, which is also really helpful to gain like another level of insight from someone who maybe has um, a lot more experience with advocacy and been around in the community for a longer time. Mm-hmm. She's she's awesome. I mm-hmm. she's she's great, and I cannot say enough good things about her. She's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Alright, so I was wondering if there are, like, any resources you would like to share that you have come across. Um, This could be, like, related to narcolepsy resources or just rare disease resources in general um, to help other people in the rare disease community or with narcolepsy. Um, So, narcolepsy specific, I'm probably going to do both, narcolepsy specific (laughs) and just the rare disease phase, Um, but... Like I mentioned before, Narcolepsy Network is an amazing nonprofit. Um, I've also like been their ambassador two times now. Um, they're doing amazing work, um, and a lot. Of, I met my narcolepsy friends through Narcolepsy Network. Mm-hmm. Also, Wake Up Narcolepsy, which was the first. Um, that was the first uh, nonprofit uh, narcolepsy wise that I came across um, ever. They're great. Um, really good educational resource as well. Project Sleep, like I mentioned, they cover sleep apnea they cover idiopathic hypersomnia which is similar to narcolepsy but mm-hmm. we don't because idiopathic we don't quite know where it's from um they cover narcolepsy they cover a lot of sleep disorders so it's more generic um yeah that's a lot of more narcolepsy focused um and then just generic resources um um online at least um the national organization for rare disorders n-o-r-d and their European sister organization, um, they, they're amazing resources. Like the mm-hmm. NORD website has a database, a database of just lists of rare diseases and you click on one and they have all the information you could possibly need and NORD sponsored um, organizations to help you, um, which is awesome. Um, also Every Life is um, really good with advocacy. That's, I did a whole post on the STAT Act um, a while back on my Instagram mm-hmm. and it's because of their amazing information about it and that you can do a lot of petitions from there. Also, uh, Patients' Rights on Instagram, mm-hmm. I think it's what it's called. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's Patients' Rights, Patients', patients Rising. Patients Rising. Patients Rising. That's what it is. Thank, thank you. Um, they have great resources as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I missing? I feel like I'm missing something. Um, also, like, Every Life does the Rare Disease Legislative Advocates, RDLA, uh-huh. um, Rare Disease Week, Rare Disease Day, like, their Instagram, they're keeping that up, even though it's one day. Um, our Odyssey, um, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know what. Yeah, Our Odyssey is definitely, like, up there. I, mm-hmm. I love them so much. Um, they're doing great things. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all the resources I can think of off the top of my head. Um, you can honestly just go through my following, like who I follow on Instagram and just go through and you can find so many more. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for sharing all those resources. Um, I'm sure my listeners will find those helpful in further navigating their journeys and stuff like that. Um, all right. So just kind of to close out now, um, I know you're a high school senior just like me and a really active patient advocate in the rare disease community. 
Um, so I was wondering, like, what are some goals you have for both your podcast and just life in general? Um, for my podcast, I just want to keep it up, um, keep it running for as long as I possibly can. Um, maybe turn it into something else like a website or just broaden my social media. I don't quite know yet. Um, cause I am just doing it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. Um, I, I just do it as a hobby. I love it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't quite, I haven't sat down quite yet with goals for my podcast. I probably should, but, um, I don't know. That's a bad podcast move for me, but I don't know. Just reach more people. Um, just have new guests as constantly as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have, I, this, there's so much I could do that I just quite can't think of off the top of my head right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and with life, um, I mean, college is next. So my dream is to either is to double major in journalism um, and or public policy economics or poli sci, mm-hmm. anything along those lines, um, even like entrepreneurship, stuff like that, communications, PR. Um, so I love journalism. My dream job is actually mm-hmm. to be an ESPN analyst, which is not related to rare diseases. Um, but my mind may change. Um, I did a journalism program this summer that I loved, so mm-hmm. maybe that will work. Um, also being like a legal analyst or something like that, helping with policy, mm-hmm. rare disease or not. And I love, I've taken, I'm taking an econ class this year for senior year and I'm three days in and I love it. Um, so maybe do something on wall street, figure that out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've always loved social media as a well well um Mm -hmm. youtube instagram i want to maybe do something in there don't quite Mm -hmm. know yet um it really just depends on how my narcolepsy is doing when i go to college because that that um determines what what time i have Mm -hmm. what free time i have to do internships co-ops youtube channel Mm -hmm. it all depends on my narcolepsy Mm -hmm. so really if my narcolepsy is status quo like it is right now go to college i want to get a master's at least Mm -hmm. um I love learning. I'd want to be in school for as long as I possibly can without going insane. Um, maybe I'll change my mind and want to find a cure for narcolepsy. I don't quite know yet. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, thank you for sharing that information. Um, so just to kind of end off now, I would really like to thank you, Annie, for joining me today um, and sharing your story and also all this wonderful information about this podcast initiative you have. Um so thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be doing this with you. And I think you're doing great work. So thank, thank you. you for you too. Letting me be a part of it. Oh, thank you. <laughs>